Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak, alongside Stephen Trinkwald. As always, today we're going to be doing a little bit of a player evaluation, player review exercise. We're going to be looking at some 2020 WNBA rookie point guards, lead guards, A guards, one guards, whatever you want to call them. Stephen, this was your idea, as was like 90% of what we do on this show. Want to explain to the uh, listeners what's uh, going on here? Yeah, really this kind of stemmed from my curiosity with comparing like the three players that we'll be talking about today who were not starters for the majority of the season, Ty Harris, Jasmine Jones, and Taya Cooper, just because like their three games were are kind of like so different from one another and they were all in, in very different roles. And then uh, you thought it would be a good idea, and I agree with you, to include Dangerfield and Alamond as well, and less so Kennedy Carter and Sabrina Ionescu, like at the top of the draft, you know, Carter, a little bit more of a known quantity, I think, than any of these other players that we were talking about. You know, obviously mm-hmm. a lot of WNBA fans had never seen maybe too much of Julie Aleman uh, and the rest of these players were just in college last season. So I'm really excited to kind of compare and contrast these these five players here and, you know, what we think of their kind of long-term potential and and where they're going to end up as, you know, starters or, or maybe high-end reserves or maybe not high-end reserves. Yeah, and, and going off what you just said, I think it's it's going to be especially interesting to compare their roles on their respective teams. You know, for instance, Dangerfield, on the, she played a huge, uh, huge role on a winning basketball team, as we always say. Uh, someone like Jasmine Jones, not so much. And also you got to take into account the bubble season when so many players were sitting out. How might have it have looked differently in a normal season? So we can get into that. But first... Uh, you wanted to go over kind of what we thought of these players heading into the season. Yeah, so I am not too familiar with players when they're coming out of college. You, of course, do some really great work for Swish Appeal. Um, Thank you. Pre-draft. So I, I kind of wanted to revisit like what you had thought of these players before, you know, as they were kind of leaving collegiate athletics and, and coming into the WNBA. Who would you say that you were kind of highest on of these college players for the season? Okay, so... We are just just for reference, um, so y'all can keep up with us. The players we're talking about are Crystal Dangerfield, Julie Alleman, Jasmine Jones, Ty Harris, and Taya Cooper. And I honestly would not be able to uh, remember everything that I said, all the opinions I had uh, about them going back to before the draft because 2020 has taken like 20 years. So I'm just going back to my old uh, my mock draft post on Swish Appeal on April 9th. Thank you, Stephen, for digging that up. So we'll, we'll see uh, how wrong I was on, on some of these players. According to my mock draft, I actually had Crystal Dangerfield going the highest at number six to the Minnesota Lynx. Interestingly enough there, she actually was drafted in the second round by the Minnesota Lynx. So I liked her the most. I thought she was the most WNBA-ready player, excluding Almond, of course, because she was already drafted. And I just thought she was a great fit for a team that needed a point guard. You know, all the talk around Minnesota, or most of the talk, around the Minnesota Lynx heading into the season was who's going to play point guard with Odyssey Sims out for the foreseeable future. Sims obviously came back, but I thought the most WNBA ready point guard in this class after UNESCO and after Kennedy Carter was Crystal Dangerfield. And that one I feel pretty good about. Yeah. I mean, we got the receipts folks. He had uh, (laughs) Dangerfield going number six, probably should have gone number six, certainly a better player in year one than Minnesota's first round pick and not just a typical kind of rookie of the year, but more so a real contributor to winning basketball and in, in an absolute force offensively. So you had in the first round, along with Dangerfield and of course the two point guards up top, 
Um, but also Taya Cooper at seven and Ty Harris going 11. Did you think that was a, a fit situation more so? Were, were you higher on Cooper than Harris? Uh, was there kind of a big gap in your mind? How, how were you on those two players coming in? No, I didn't think there was a big gap between them. I think uh, Cooper has the higher ceiling. I think Harris is the steadier hand. But when you got to Dallas, I mean, this is a, a situation in which they had, what do they have? They had the second overall pick, they had the fifth overall pick, and they had the seventh overall pick. So I figured they'd go like best available at two and five and then go with a point guard at number seven, whoever, you know. And I just thought Tia Cooper was the better talent. Obviously, they, like, they liked Ty Harris more. Uh, and this was, this is something that I was proven very wrong on. Ty Harris, pretty much everyone likes Ty Harris a lot more than I did. So I can kind of take my lumps on that one. But yeah, I, I just thought, you know, I, I didn't think it was a fit so much as like a best, best player available at, at that position, if that makes sense. Okay, cool. And I definitely want to get to later whether you've come around on Harris a little bit more. But for now, sure. let's start at uh, the two starting point guards, uh, at least for the majority of last season, Crystal Dangerfield. And Julie Aleman, I mean, I feel like we've talked so much already about Dangerfield's rookie season, but she was fantastic. Like she, she was better than really I gave her credit for in the award show podcast where I, I said she might top out as a, a solid starter. Like I think there's chance that she'll be like a, a real kind of perennial all-star. Like she has a bag offensively. You think she's going to be a perennial all-star? I mean, I don't want to say I think that she will be, but I think like that's not out of the realm of possibility. Like I think that's definitely within her kind of universe of reasonable outcomes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, I mean, for the point guard position in the WNBA is not one that is overflowing with, I don't want to say overflowing with talent because there are a lot of really talented point guards in the WNBA, but it has a lot of, you know, low usage, you know, steady players. A lot of complimentary players. A lot of complimentary players. That's a good way of putting it. And Dangerfield in her rookie season, I mean, you said we, we have, we've already talked so much about her, but you look at this, the circumstances, she's five foot five, and even that might be a little generous. She was a second-round pick, first second-round pick to ever win Rookie of the Year. And, I mean, my goodness, I was high in her, but she even might have exceeded my expectations. I, I, wasn't, I didn't think she had so much of a home run hitter package, if that makes sense, than she showed in the WNBA. I didn't expect her to be this good at creating her own shot against WNBA size, or at least being such a good three-level scorer. I mean, I figured she'd be able to come in and run an offense, but not just like totally turn the tide of this length season. Yeah, and her numbers on the season, 19 and a half points per 36 minutes, over four assists, one steal, just over three turnovers, a 75 assist to 54 turnover ratio, 586 true shooting. So really, really efficient for her as an offensive player. And, you know, she's not a caretaker offensively. Like she led this team in scoring and, I thought she she showed a lot in terms of being able to score on the ball as a three-level scorer and be able to spot up off the ball as well. Like She can play with pretty much anyone, I think, in terms of her role as an offensive player. How about that usage rate? Yeah. 24.6% usage. Yeah, almost uh, 25%. That, that's pretty good for her. That's probably the highest on our list here, other than Jasmine Jones, who was definitely a high usage player when she was in the games. And... I mean, what, what did you kind of see from Dangerfield offensively? Well, uh, the one thing that, well, one of the reasons I was really high on her besides just being such a good game manager was she can also shoot the ball when people went under screens. That's one of the main things I look for in like a point guard prospect. Maybe I overvalue that ability, but 
it when you can change how a defense covers a pick and roll as a rookie, I mean, that, that just opens up so much for the rest of the floor. That, that opens up so much for your team. And one of her biggest strengths was shooting the three ball. As you have in notes, she wasn't just a three-point shooter. She was a three-point bomber. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I had it in my notes as well about just not being able to go under. This was something that jumped out to me, you know, watching this because it's something you talk about all the time. Like if you are someone who the defense cannot afford to go under against, you change the geometry of the game and, and how defenses are going to defend. And you can't go under on Crystal Dangerfield. And Mm-mm. she's very comfortable scoring off the dribble, whether it be from behind the line. She's really, really comfortable uh, in the mid-range as well. You know, 64% from 10 to 14 feet, just under 50% from 15 to 19 feet. So really, really tough in the mid-range. Like she can get deep penetration if the, the big is dropping back too far. And of course, you know, if they try to play up a little bit more, like she can just blow by them. She's, she's I wouldn't say she has elite speed, but she has pretty good speed. And in my opinion, like, you know, some of the better ball handling moves and kind of offensive quote unquote moves for uh, like a point guard in the WNBA already. Like she can, she has some really nice hesitation moves. Um, I posted a, a, a video on Twitter a couple of days ago of her just completely faking Marina Mabry out of her shoes. And like you said, and I think this is especially valuable when you're playing off the ball as a player of danger field size, when, you know, you are five, five and players that are a lot taller and longer are going to be the ones uh, contesting and closing out on your jump shot. The ability to shoot from 25 feet and out is so valuable. And she actually shot better from 25 feet and out than she did from 24 feet to the three-point line. That's funny. It just gives her a little bit more time to get the shot off, a a little bit more comfortable that she's not going to get that shot blocked. And yeah, she's, in my opinion, uh, on her way to being like a great offensive player, I think. Do you think that 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 point on her form and shot distance is, is kind of like a survival of the fittest thing. Like that's how she was able to get to this level just because of her height. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we'd be looking at a, a little bit of a different player if she couldn't kind of bomb it from 25 feet and out to be sure. Yeah. I mean the, the shelf life for small point guards who can't shoot is typically not very long, but I could see Dangerfield. Like I don't see anything barring, you know, injury that was going to keep her from a long and prosperous WNBA career now. Yeah, and we talked about her as a three-level scorer. You know, she can get all the way to the rim, about 25% of her shots coming around the rim. She finished 66% of those. That's pretty good for a player, for a point guard of any size. You know, never mind five foot five. And, you know, she's also getting to the line at about um, 25% of her, you know, shots taken and a 92% shooter when she does get there. So of these players, you know, she probably has the best kind of diet of shot selection, you know, almost 40% of her shots from behind the three-point line. She gets to the free throw line pretty well, as I just mentioned, gets to the rim pretty well. But she's also the best player in the mid-range of these as well. So if she's not getting, you know, the best shots in the world, she's still really, really good at, at finishing those. I think that speaks to her ability to read defenses and to just make the right decision. And to kind of build off that, like as a passer, she was really, really good. You know, maybe not the best passer of this group, but no worse than second best for sure. Uh, she has really great timing can get all the way to the basket to find a dump off. Uh, Obviously, you know, playing with some great floor spacing can make that a lot easier. And not all of these point guards had that. And uh, that was certainly the case in Minnesota, especially later on in the season as uh, they kind of adapted their, their style of play. But I thought she was great as a scorer and also like as a playmaker for others. Would it be an overstatement to say that she saved the links a season? No, I don't think so. Like, I couldn't even imagine where they would have been with 
without her. She was, you know, a borderline all WNBA consideration type of player this year. Yeah, that, and that's why. Like, you think about where they were, especially after Sylvia Fowles got injured. I mean, their lead guard situation would have been dead in the water if it wasn't for her. So, incredible, uh, incredible season for Dangerfield. Obviously, uh, well deserved Rookie of the Year award. And uh, can I ask, surprise, like, um, well, what do you think about her defensively? Um, you know, I think this is probably the the main knock people had on her. Like, it's pretty hard for tiny guards to to defend people, but I think she was okay. Yeah, I think At she least. was she was okay also. Like maybe in a situation where you are in, you know, the highest leverage games, like a five game playoff series against some of the best teams in the league, that's when we're really looking at a problem here. But she's a capable defender. Like and I say that in a situation where they're really kind of switch hunting and, and going after the same player, you know, over and over again. But you know, Minnesota's not hiding her defensively this season. Like she was the primary defender on Arike Gumbawale in both of those games, uh, primarily, you know, maybe it's because of her stature, like is better suited to be on ball against someone, you know, handling the ball where she can kind of take advantage of her, her low center of gravity and, and where her hands are versus, you know, an off ball role where, you know, she can just kind of get ball racked by a catch and shoot player. But, um, you know, you're not going to, even still, you're, you're not going to put her on that assignment if you don't think she can handle it. Um, because you would still rather live with a less capable player beating you. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think she's she'll certainly never be the reason that that they are bad. Like, not that Minnesota will ever be bad on defense, but you know what I'm saying? Like, she's she's not killing you out there. No, but I, I think the circumstances are also pretty good for her defensively because they have such intelligent and adept help defenders in Nafisa Collier and Demiris Dantas where they're going to be able to run all sorts of switch-heavy schemes to kind of cover her back. But... Yeah, she's 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 she was very capable for a player of her, of her stature. I was I was pleasantly surprised by her defense. So I think of this group, uh, Crystal Dangerfield has the highest ceiling offensively. You do not feel that way, I believe. You, you think it's the next player we're going to talk about, Julie Alamon. I do, I do. Alamon obviously not uh, wasn't on my mock draft because she was already drafted in 2016. Uh, third round pick, by the way. So good call by Indy there. They're only able to get her over this year, but I mean. I hadn't seen her play at all before the season. That was obviously my fault because she was playing professionally in Europe. A lot of Euro WNBA fans on Twitter said she was very good and they were right. The numbers quickly for Aleman, nine and a half points per 36 minutes, six and a half assists, five rebounds, uh, just under three turnovers. She had a 128 assist to 48 turnover ratio, a 639 true shooting percentage, just massively efficient, but only a 12 and a half percent usage. So not a high usage player, but, you know, had the ball in her hand, certainly more than that number would indicate. I'm wondering how much that usage just has to do with Indiana's roster. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lot of high usage players that certainly aren't posting 639 true shooting percentages. So the one thing for me about Aleman that makes me a little bit more confident in Crystal Dangerfield, 10% frequency at the rim for Aleman. She took 14 shots around the rim this season. You know, the transition uh, is another thing I, I think is a little bit worrisome for her. You know, 27 total transition possessions, only about eight and a half percent of her possessions. She was in the zeroth percentile in individual offense and transition. You know, I, I don't think those transition numbers specifically are, are necessarily too indicative of kind of how she plays because it's not like she's just walking the ball up at, at a snail's pace every time. Like she does push the ball pretty hard. 
uh, and, and gets up there pretty quick and, and will, you know, push. Yeah, the finishing around the rim, I think, to me, is a little concerning. And, and not even the finishing, even really, because she finished at 64%, but 14 total attempts. The volume, yeah. Okay, yeah, I understand why you'd be concerned about that. I would counter with she was not really able to get to the rim because Indiana couldn't space the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a problem. Uh-huh. One, one thing I had in, is that I'm just curious to see what she can do with more than one offensive weapon next to her at any one time or in an offense that, you know, has Tierra McCowan rolling to the hoop more than once in a blue moon. I, I feel like the assist numbers that Alman put up were really good for a player in her situation. Um, and just her ability as a shoot, shooter. I mean, she doesn't have the we, – we like to talk about jump shot versatility on this show. You know, someone like uh, Dinah Shirazi, uh, Christy Tolliver, Allie Quigley to an extent. Her teammate, Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey Mitchell, yeah, great uh, versatility in her jump shot. Maybe not the most versatile jump shooter, but as a catch-and-shoot player, she was absolutely incredible. And I think she is the type of shooter that that's not, that's not like a fluke or anything like that. So I think as, a, as maybe – a little bit of an off guard, like at least in in a, in a system in which you're you're running like two lead guards, like her and Kelsey Mitchell at the same time, she will make up for her lack of, you know, getting to the rim with very, very good gravity, you know, stretching all the way out to the three point line and just elite catch and shoot numbers. And of course, I don't know. I don't don't have any uh, figures to say, well, this, you know, catch and shoot weighs into the equation more than getting to the rim. It probably doesn't honestly, but I think, she just seemed like a super polished player, a super polished floor game, which isn't surprising given her years of pro overseas experience heading into the WNBA last season. The only thing that I didn't like about Almond was her defense. That backcourt of Almond and Kelsey Mitchell gave the backcourt of Skylar Diggins and Diana Chirazi a run for their money as far as horrendous defense. But I don't know, Stephen. I, I just really, really like her as a catch-and-shoot player. And I think if she played in a system that kind of emphasized the point guard more. Like, let's be honest, Kelsey Mitchell, as much as we love her, she's a ball stopper. Candice Dupree at this point in her career is not a good offensive player. They've got a lot to figure out offensively in Indiana. Maybe, although more defensively, but that's for another show. I think Julie Allman has a lot more to offer than what we saw from this season. Yeah, sure. And to back up something that you were talking about, uh, she was in the 90th percentile last season as a catch and shoot player. So really good. Um, yeah, she's definitely, you know, a great complimentary offensive player, like secondary creator, which probably undersells her passing a little bit. Like she's a really, really good passer, really got some great pick and roll instincts and, and passing instincts all around, you know, even just kind of standing at the perimeter and, and humming it around the court uh, with extra passes and stuff like that. But I mean, for me, you know, the stuff around the rim, like, in my opinion, like, she was kind of getting there pretty frequently. I shouldn't say frequently, but she she gets there, and it's almost exclusively to kind of dump off underneath or, or kick it back to the three-point line, which is good and it's valuable, but but you still do have – like, they can't expect you to pass every time you're down there. You, you kind of got to finish sometimes. Um, but that's really kind of the only knock on her offensively, in my opinion. I, I'm not sure she quite has enough as, like, um as a score to be, like – a lead guard, you know, I actually do think the fit alongside like a Kelsey Mitchell type where, where you have a volume scorer alongside of her is, is kind of ideal, you know, because I, I don't think she can really kind of bear that scoring load, but yeah, defensively is kind of where, you know, if this player is going to be a long-term starter in this league is, you know, that's where the question will be answered is if she can kind of come around on that. Or if they start somebody else who's better on defense next year. I mean, I don't think Kelsey Mitchell is headed to the bench anytime soon, but 
I mean, there are so many questions for Indiana on defense, but having uh, a defensive sieve in the, in the backcourt is, is not good. Yeah, sure. Um, and one other thing about Alaman, I want to mention a 687 three-point attempt rate. So, you know, over two-thirds of her shots are, are coming from behind the arc. And that's when you're as good of a shooter as she is. Like, that's, that's going to be really valuable for a team if you can get another perimeter player, if Kelsey Mitchell can maybe take a step forward as a little bit more of a, a reliable creator for others. Uh, you know, obviously she's great kind of creating for herself and she's great as a play finisher when an Alamon is creating for her. But that's, you know, something you, you just love to see out of what could be a really great complimentary player. I agree. Would you like to move on? Uh, sure. Let's, I mean, where do you want to start with uh, these other three players who were more kind of situational players? We can just go in order of, of, of your notes here. Um, Jasmine Jones is up next. Yeah, sure. So Jasmine Jones was named to the all-rookie team, a pick that I think we both disagreed with when we did our award show. Mm-hmm. Let me just go through the numbers before I ask about your thoughts on her season. 18 points per 36 minutes, 3.8 assists, 4.8 turnovers. She had a 45 assists to 57 turnover ratio, almost seven rebounds and almost uh, two and a half steals per 36 minutes. So some pretty n- impressive numbers there. Just a 524 true shooting percentage. So kind of just okay there. And a 27% usage rate. So that's somewhat mediocre. I actually don't know what, I actually don't know like what the median true shooting percentage is for the WNBA, but that's an extremely high usage rate. I think this is, this is the player who I, I, I still need to see like in a different situation because New York was a dumpster fire from the start. And then when Sabrina Ionescu got injured, I mean, it was every woman for herself. And that's kind of the impression I got from watching Jasmine Jones play last season was every woman for herself. What stands out to me right away from looking at those numbers is the assist to turnover ratio and the usage. She had the ball in her hands a lot and she really wasn't super productive with it. However, like this is, she's such a frustrating player to me because like she fluctuated between being one of my favorite players to watch and one of my least favorite players to watch. She went from like this relentless energy player, you know, playing at one speed, really good at getting to the hoop. I feel like a lot of that true shooting percentage, by the way, was buoyed by her free throw attempt rate. She got to the free throw line, like 0.468 free throw attempt rate. That is very, very, very high. Yeah, that's much higher than any other player on this list. Yeah, that's, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really think she's a point guard in the traditional sense. Like she's got some playmaking chops, but as a lead guard, I think she was definitely miscast this season. I just don't think she has the basketball IQ to, or, or like the changing gears. Like she was playing too fast in my opinion. Like I was watching her play. I was just like, geez, slow down sometimes. Granted it did make for a lot of exciting and dynamic plays. You look at the steals. She's, I knew she was going to be a very good rebounder, you know, partially because she's six feet tall, <laughs> but also because like, she just has such a motor about her and such athleticism. It just seemed like she was a boomer bust type of player on a very, very bad team. So regarding like that all rookie nod, yeah, she put up the volume statistics, but one of my rules of thumb is be wary of players putting up big numbers on very bad teams. Yeah. And she wasn't particularly impacting winning basketball in any way. And, you know, one thing you had mentioned was just kind of the speed at which she played the game. Uh, And that definitely bared out in the transition, 78 total transition possessions. That was about 25% of her kind of total number of possessions. So that's great. Definitely something we like to see. I think she is a really effective transition player and 
that's a really valuable skill set, in my opinion, for the type of player I see Jasmine Jones being, which is, you know, a a guard off the bench who can maybe close some games with you if she really has it going. But like you had mentioned, her efficiency is just kind of average, and, and a lot of that is buoyed by being, you know, physically overwhelming and getting to the the free throw line a ton. And she's definitely, in my opinion, probably the most physically gifted player that we're going to be talking about today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, and she, you know, she has some nice moves outside of that. You know, she, she goes th- to the left to right spin. Uh, she has a nice hop step in my opinion. She's really strong as a straight line driver uh, with her right hand. We mentioned kind of the steals and, and turning defense into offense, you know, that combined with her rebounding and, and just her motor is kind of what is making her such a force in, in transition. And it's uh, really kind of a, such, you know, it's something we talk about all, all the time, but such an easy way to when you're in kind of offensively challenged lineups in the second unit to really kind of, you know, buoy yourself for a few minutes as, you know, maybe the offensive talent around you isn't as good as some of those starting lineups. So, you know, 61st percentile in efficiency for, you know, a rookie point guard in transition, like that's, that's pretty good. That's encouraging for sure. You know, off ball is a little bit more concerning. Like she definitely shrinks the floor for you, right? Yeah. And, and that's, She's one of the players of one of the many players. It's like we talk we talk about it all the time. They just had the green light to shoot it whenever, and uh, you can see how that ended. Yeah, and she's easily, in my opinion, the worst passer that we're going to be talking about today. Like she's mm-hmm. pretty predictable in the pick and roll. Uh, the ball is obviously going to stick in her hands a little bit more than with some of these other players. As a defender, like she's she's definitely a playmaker, but I I don't really think that she's like a good defender yet. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair. Why do you say that? Well, you know, I just don't think she's a particularly engaged defender off the ball all the time. Like, I think she's pretty decent on ball and and definitely has, like, the size and physicality and and athleticism to guard on ball. But we shouldn't be too harsh on her because, you know, she is a rookie and um, not all rookies are are Taya Cooper and are are really good off the ball defenders as well as on ball. But, I mean, is there anything else that we kind of want to say about Jasmine Jones before we kind of move on to the other players that we'll kind of compare her with? Well, if we go back to, uh, like, what I thought of her before the season, first of all, I thought she was overdrafted. Like, like I didn't think she was a first-round caliber draft pick. Um, I still don't. I don't think she's done much to change those thoughts. But, I mean, New York, they, they, had a, they definitely had a strategy in that draft, and uh, she was productive for them. I, I, I think uh, – I'm just going to go back to it. I, I just really think she was miscast as a lead guard. I think she definitely earned a spot on the team for next year. But hopefully more as like a, like a defensive playmaker or overall irritant for the opponent, like a seventh or eighth player coming off the bench. Just someone who's going to provide that energy, get to the free throw line. I think the free throw line thing for her is legit, though, because let me, let me compare her to, in this sense, another player in the Liberty roster and Kia Nurse. Kia Nurse has, as you like to say, foul-seeking behavior. Um, yeah, I think Jasmine has- Jones gets fouled. Yeah, Jasmine Jones will legitimately get fouled. She's not playing to get fouled. She is playing to bully to the rim and finish the basket. Whereas, you know, Kia Nurse will just, will, you know, kind of leverage her foul-seeking behavior. Rip through moves and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, Jasmine Jones is a bully. She's got the athleticism and she's got the strength to keep up that free throw rate through, you know, I think that is one aspect of her stat line that is sustainable. And for that reason, I like her fit in a system that is, you know, up-tempo and has a lot of three-point shooters, theoretically has a lot of three-point shooters. So um, I think I still need to see her on a on a better roster before I cast, you know, a final judgment. Yeah, sure. And in some ways, she doesn't really kind of fit what New York is doing because she's not really a great three-point shooter. You know, it's funny. She 
shot 15 for 45. So exactly uh, a third of her shots from, from behind the arc. But, you know, I still don't really love the, the jump shot. You know, she was a pretty poor shooter uh, from the mid range, but she's the type of player where we kind of talk about all the time. Like if you want to get good three point shots, like you have to get somebody going all the way to the rim. And she's, she can definitely do that. Whether she has the kind of vision to take advantage of the defense reacting to her or, or not remains to be seen in the long term, But uh, I, I do just want to clarify that I like Jasmine Jones. Like, I think she's going to be a good bench player. It, like, she is, in my opinion, like, a lot better than some of the other players that we saw, especially on that Liberty roster. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, I think she'll, you know, just because I don't think she's necessarily a starting player long-term doesn't mean I don't think she has a valuable skill set to bring to the W. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we might have done these other players a disservice, like, starting with Dangerfield and Alleman, because, like, just because – like Jasmine Jones has her flaws or, or Ty Harris has her flaws or Taya Cooper has her flaws. Doesn't mean we don't like what they bring. And that's just, just to clarify. Um, but would you like to move on to Ty Harris? Let's, this is the player who, before we kind of, you know, dived into the film and really started doing a little bit more research. This is the player that I kind of had an affinity for, even though she, you know, she played more minutes than Taya Cooper, but I feel like she still kind of had the least opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah. It was a tough situation for her as a rookie. I mean, she was on a bad team, obviously, but I feel like she outplayed the vet and Mariah Jefferson early. But then Marina Mabry, who is a totally different type of player, kind of waltzed in and just took her starting spot. So that's that, that's difficult for Ty Harris. I, to me, I mean, of this group of players that we're talking about, I think Harris had like the most predictable type of season. I saw her as like a high floor game manager type and that's pretty much what she was this season. Yeah. And I think one number really kind of sticks out in kind of illustrating that. And that is her 56 assists to 18 turnovers, like excellent, a a three to one, pretty much assist to turnover ratio. Uh, She also scored 12 and a half points per 36 minutes, nearly five assists, a steal and a half, a turnover and a half, 523 true shooting. So right around where Jasmine Jones is a little bit higher of a usage than uh, some of the other players that we're talking about. She's around almost 17%. And it just seems like Harris to me is, and maybe this is unfair uh, and I'm still really high on her, but she's kind of like the one player that doesn't have the defining WNBA skill. Oh, I totally agree. I, I would describe her as solid, if not spectacular. A couple of things that I did like about her, you know, she, she really looks comfortable as a pull-up jump shooter, you know, maybe at this point a little bit more yeah. from two point range, like right around kind of the free throw line than as a three-point shooter, but but still there as well. She's pretty active, I, I think, as as a transition player, you know, about 22% of her possessions, which is not amazing, but but pretty good. You know, her, Jones, and Cooper all have pretty similar numbers as three-point shooters last year, right around that kind of 33 to 34%. Harris was was 19 for 56, 33.9%. But she's the one I like as, as a shooter most moving forward. I think she has the best shooting form. I think she looks the most comfortable both on catch and shoots and, and on pull-ups. Like I think she's the one that currently is kind of like getting guarded the most out there. Like she's the one where defenses are, are shading away from her the least, I guess. And that should in the long term be a really nice fit next to Enrique Gumbawale. I agree. And I'll take that a step further. I think she's a good fit next to anybody because of her, you know, I mean, we could say that she doesn't really have a defining WNBA skill and maybe that's true, but you could also flip that around and say, well, she's not going to make anybody next to her worse. Yeah, that's for sure. Unless like the, the shots just aren't falling, but I think they will, as I just mentioned. And as a defender, 
you know, she's not like the next player that we'll talk about, Taya Cooper, at this point. But I think she's definitely going to be a really solid defender. Like she, I agree. It looks like she has the tools to do it. Hopefully, they get a good coach in Dallas and, and don't run them out immediately afterwards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm still pretty high on Harris, despite kind of uh, a weird year. Um, you know, 441 three point attempt rate. That's uh, you know, so just over 40% of her shots coming from behind the line. She only took 22 free throw attempts all season. So I guess that's a little bit discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, she got to the rim at about a 21% frequency. So pretty good, you know, not, not terrible and finished really, really well when she did get there. But, you know, WNBA uh, uh, tracking can be a little shaky and she had a 26% frequency from 10 feet to the three-point range. So, you know, really living on jump shots. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so what you're saying is that like, uh, she's going to be kind of a, a feast or famine player, depending on how often her shot is falling. Yeah. And, and whether she can really kind of turn into, I think a, a reliable off the ball player, uh, which I think she can. And she I think can. she'll be a nice three and D player and, and a nice fit next to Arike. You know, I'm still not sure. The, the one reason I didn't have Ty Harris as high as a lot of other people did heading into the draft was I'm just not sure how high her ceiling was. And honestly, I'm still not but at some point regarding these, 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 these basketball players, you have to look at why they are, why they continue to have success despite not having, as you say, a defining skill. And I think Ty Harris is, is that type of player. She takes terrific care of the basketball by all accounts. She is extremely coachable and is a great leader. And she's also got a, 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 a very WNBA ready body. I think like they, they list her at five ten. I don't believe that, but she's definitely not a tiny point guard either. So she's got the tools to turn into a good defender as well. She's just a very solid complimentary player. I'm not sure if I'm ready to call her a starting caliber point guard yet, uh, yet, but she is, I would love to have her as a backup. Yeah. After, to me, after rookie season. Yeah. To me, she's the one that I think I still have the most questions about, even though I'm, I'm still pretty high on her. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, do you think the, Harris Brian Agler fit was was a good one or or would Harris be in a little bit better of a situation maybe where she could play a little bit faster was she that it, type of player in in South Carolina for her I mean well for for one uh she played next to Asia Wilson a lot at South Carolina and that's like it was a whole lot of you know okay give the ball to your post player as much as possible so it's I think Ty Harris can can do either I think she can be in either a running system or a slow half court system Actually, if, if, when you put it that way, like, is she a good Brian Agler player? Yeah, I think she is a great Brian Agler player because he likes solid, steady hands. He likes intelligent players. He likes players who can slow it down and, and do different types of things on offense. As a running player, I, I, I don't see why she couldn't succeed. She, she's, she, doesn't have like the, she doesn't have the explosiveness that, you know, you would, you would associate with a, a, a running type of player. Like, how was she in transition? So she got out in transition a pretty decent amount. And in her own offense, she was in the 71st percentile and mm-hmm. including her passing, which I think she's a really good outlet passer and, and makes some really good reads in transition. She was in the 90th percentile, you know, but we're talking about 46 total possessions here. So, yeah, you know, and that was kind of why I, I asked the question because when I did see her, you know, playing in the open court, it, it looked very promising, but that's obviously not something that Agler wanted to do a ton of. Exactly. Exactly. But I think she's an any she's an anyone type of player. That might be kind of a cop out answer, but she's not a player who is gonna lose games by making a lot of bad decisions. 
as a rookie, I mean, you got to, I mean, that assist to turnover ratio was just splendid. So yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see her in a fast paced system just to see what she can do, you know, just to see what kind of, how, how much she can really push the envelope. But I think she'll be right at home in any system, honestly. She's just a very solid player. Let's go to uh, the next player who I think has, you know, outside of the two starters had like the most defined role was kind of uh, put into, I don't want to say put into a box because that kind of has a negative connotation, but yeah. she, she definitely had the thing that she was tasked with doing on a really good team, probably had the most talent around her of any of these players. And that is Taya Cooper, who scored 14 and a half points per 36 minutes, four assists, three turnovers, almost one and a half steals. She did play the fewest minutes out of any of these players, the only player to not break 400 minutes. What, what did you think about Taya Cooper's season? Uh, a player that we've talked a fair amount, but, but really haven't dove too much in depth. So, I mean, you said it right away when she had the most defined role. And I think she was in a great situation for a player like her. I mean, she was a player who was um, drafted in the second round, cut by Phoenix, which, as, as, we, as I've said before, they might regret a little bit. Um, but L.A. was just a really, really good spot for her to land because, I mean, for one, as a rookie point guard, when you're playing behind Chelsea Gray, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and you're also playing alongside Candace Parker and Neku Gumake and all that talent they have down there. Uh, an enviable situation. They didn't really need to ask Taya Cooper to do too much, you know? She was just a an energy player who really got after it at the point of attack and just defended the heck out of the basketball. Yeah, she was, I mean, in my opinion, the best defensive player of this group at this point in their careers. She was really good. As you were saying, uh, as a one-on-one player, you know, navigating screens defensively, I thought she did really well. Uh, and I thought she was a pretty good help defender too, like already for a rookie guard, you know, maybe point guard or, or off guard, or however you want to categorize her. But, you know, she was really good at kind of playing on the help side, you know, sagging off the offensive player who ne- wouldn't necessarily, you know, if it was a Jasmine Jones say, you know, she, I thought she played a very smart defensive game uh, as well as just kind of her natural talent as a defender. Offensively, you know, a, a little underwhelming, I guess, you know, she did have a four, uh, a five forty three true shooting percentage, which is pretty good uh, when, yeah. when we're talking about this group of players, almost a 21% usage. It really seemed like she was not as involved as a player to ha- that has a 21% usage, though. Yeah, that's, it's interesting you say that. It's, you, you look at that usage rate, and you look at someone like Alman's usage rate, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, she wasn't, she just seemed like she was kind of there offensively. She did have some nice, some nice finishes, but she also had a lot of stretches where she, like, you know, wasn't being asked to do a whole lot. And, and I, I want to make sure I, I say I word it like that because she wasn't being asked to do a whole lot. When you're on a team with Candace Parker, there's a lot of sets where you're not going to be a, a, an offensive initiator. And that's fine. I think she was a better, she was a better three-point shooter than I expected of her. And I think there's some room for regression there. But I also don't think she's as poor of a finisher as she showed this season. Like she's got the athleticism. She, she can get to the rim for sure. She makes a lot of nice moves to get to the rim. And she's a player who can She's not like she's not like a Jasmine Jones who's just going to bully her way there. She's got both the athleticism and the and like the dribbles to get to the rim. So I think that's if there's an area of her offensive game I think is going to come around the soonest, it is her dribble penetration ability. Well, one thing that really stuck with me as I was watching her, you know, she's the player that she kind of reminded me of in one sense was rookie season Jackie Young where it felt like she like her 
finishing around the rim should be better than it is. And, and mm-hmm. it seems like there's not going to be like this huge jump of improvement that's really necessary for it to kind of be where it is to where it needs to be. Now, you know, she's not as bad of a finisher as Jackie Young was and probably won't end up being as good of a finisher as Jackie Young will be, you know, once as Young has already kind of improved in that area. But I thought she used her size and strength really well. And let let me kind of know if I'm I'm off base on this, but like watching her play, it it really seemed like, or, or not having her seen play, seen her play in college and kind of watching her in this first season as a pro like she played like a player who was used to being able to kind of leverage her strength to finish around the rim a little bit better than she was able to in the w yes absolutely she made several stops in college but in in each of those stops she was very much a downhill player yes yeah she seemed like she was used to playing a very strong brand of of basketball and Mm -hmm. and the finishing was at about right around 60 percent at the rim but there were definitely some missed bunnies in, in that as well as like a, a playmaker, you know, outside of Jasmine Jones, you know, I kind of go back and forth on whether I like her or Harris as a passer more. You know, Cooper, I think, makes nicer passes and, and kind of crisper passes, but Harris also, you know, really kind of takes care of the ball, as we were talking about, and, and yeah. also has some nice passes. But it's hard to say because, you know, she really was not asked to kind of do all that much. But I do think she has pretty good pick and roll instincts and also obviously just much better pick and roll talent around her than than Harris had but the ball doesn't really seem to stick with her at all like she'll she'll get it out of her hands pretty quick and I think her passing was a little underserved on last year's Sparks team and and obviously would expect her to take a larger role as the Sparks look like they're probably going to lose some of their wing players with the kind of cap restrictions that they're facing if they want to bring everyone back but um, I mean how do you feel about her like long term as an offensive player? You know, when I watch Taya Cooper play, I, I, I feel like she should be a better playmaker than what she is. Like, like I said before, as a skill, as, as, a, as an offensive player, she plays very much downhill. And I guess that lends itself to being more of a, a playmaker for yourself than a playmaker for others. Maybe that's, again, maybe that's just being on the same team as Candace Parker, a very unique player in terms of, of creating opportunities for, her, for others. I don't think she's going to be ever going to be at Dangerfield's level or Alleman's level of being a uh, playmaker for others, but I think she'll be okay. You know, I, starting caliber player, not sure about that yet. I don't th- but fortunately, the Sparks probably won't have to worry about that. She might have to have a larger role offensively, but as long as you're on the same team as Chelsea Gray and Christy Tolliver, probably not going to have to worry about it anytime soon. So I don't know. Like her pick and roll numbers, like were not at all favorable as a rookie. It could probably get better though. Yep, 29th percentile overall as a pick-and-roll player. Uh, I think I disagree with you a little bit just in terms of, like, I think her her limitations offensively are going to be because, like, she won't be able to kind of create the advantage for herself more so than her skills or her kind of deftness as a passer. I, I do think she's a pretty good passer, and I think we – uh, I think I'm a little bit higher on her there. But if you can't really create an advantage for yourself in, in one way or in another, I think that's kind of where – she might have a little bit of a challenge as an offensive well, player. An advantage for yourself as in like not being able to score at any of the three levels, you mean? Or well, yeah, that's that's definitely tough. Like not being able to force the defense to send a second defender at you. Like she I don't know, like I feel like her best offensive skill, you know, maybe it'll be as a three point shooter, but I, I'm not, not super yet. high on her as a as a three point player. No. Uh, uh even though, you know, she did hit a third of her shots, but very, very low volume and not an amazing free throw shooter and not a very good mid-range shooter either. 
So yeah, this is the player that I, um, I guess I'm on the lowest on offensively, despite her efficiency being better than, you know, the, the previous two players that we talked about. That three point shot, by the way, fluctuated enormously for her in college. Like she shot over 40% her senior season, but the seasons before that she shot under 30% from three in both of those. So that's, that's not yet a known quantity for her. I don't think. That makes sense. I feel like that, like with, you know, the WNBA playing 34 game seasons, like she could have seasons where she hits 38% and then others where she hits 28%. Like, yeah, because the volume is never going to be there for her, I don't think. She's never going to be a three-point specialist. I want to go back to a, a comparison. Like you said her versus Ty Harris as far as a passer. I think Tay Cooper is the flashier passer. I think I'd rather have Ty Harris as a passer, though, just because yeah. of the ability to take care of the ball. That, that's if, probably true. Oh, if this not. was – if we're going back to, like, my preseason or my pre-draft uh, thoughts – this is probably, I think before the draft, I leaned Cooper. Now I lean Harris. I don't think it, it's not a, it's not a done deal yet, but uh, as a pure point guard, you know, whatever that means, I was more impressed by Harris, but I mean, defensively Cooper definitely had her chops. I think, you know, one thing that, that you had mentioned in your notes, like this is a perfect situation for Cooper. Like I'm not yeah. sure Harris would have been as good in this role. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I definitely don't think Jasmine Jones would have been as good in this role. Like Cooper did what she was asked to do really well. And I'm not sure if she would have been as good in this role, like if she had stayed in Phoenix. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that for a second. So Phoenix, I mean, had a kind of a weird season as far as their offensive usage is concerned. You know, obviously they were playing through Brittany Griner as they should, but then when she left the bubble, it it turned into very much a guard-oriented system, as it should. How would Tay Cooper have fit into that? I don't know. It's easy to it's easy to look in hindsight after Bria Hartley got injured and said, "Oh, well, they have no depth." Well, yeah, but I'm not sure if she would have gotten the opportunity to play as much, or at least the defined role, if that's yeah. fair to say. No, I I definitely think that's fair to say. Because like in Phoenix, like like who is who is the defensive stopper in Phoenix? You know, God, Bria Hartley. <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe can. Cooper could have carved out herself a role for herself there. Maybe not, but. I mean, after the season, it's pretty clear um, she's a great fit in L.A., and I think her role will only increase from here. Yeah, and just to, you know, before we kind of wrap up with that, like, I mean, it's hard to imagine Sandy Brondello, like, giving a rookie guard the chance to play with this team with with the aspirations they had until she absolutely had to. So, like, maybe she would have gotten into rotation once they were down to, like, seven players. But, you know, she wasn't certainly going to be given the opportunity from, from the start. Obviously, she was cut. But, yeah. you know, even even if she had made the team, you know, you have to imagine Walker Kimbrough still would have been ahead of her. You know, Sophie Cunningham would have been given the opportunity. So, And you know what, Stephen? I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind right now. Kudos to Derek Fisher for this. Yeah, sure. Kudos to Derek Fisher for, for carving out a role for his rookie, for having the confidence in her and recognizing that, hey, she's got to play, so what's, what is she going to do for us? You know? It was pretty uh, evident from the start, honestly. Like, it's not like it's something that, like, she got better, like, Cooper got better after the season. Like, oh, well, she was kind of finding her way. No. Like, from the first game of the season, she was the, the pace pusher and the point of attack defender. So that's, that's a great job by the Sparks coaching staff. One, one other thing I want to say, she does have, like, this one kind of, I guess, I wouldn't call it a move, but, you know, she, she likes to kind of protect the ball, like, bring it into her uh, abdomen like a running back and, yeah. and gather in, in traffic. And I think as she sort of gets more used to WNBA contact, you know, it looks like she definitely has the game of someone that's going to be a strong finisher. And I uh, really like 
her when she does that. And I also like her a lot as a transition finisher, at least like she, as soon as it looks like the defense is going to get the ball, she, she gets out and leaks and uh, makes for a very effective player. You know, I don't really think she's that great of um, like a operator in transition in terms of like, she's, she's running the break, but as a finisher, I think she does pretty well. That's an interesting point. So she's got that, she's got that extra gear you're saying. Yeah, sure. Even though, you know, she's not necessarily the, the fastest player out there, but you know, she, she just leaks immediately and she's always running hard out there. So, so it sounds like you like Harris a little bit more than Cooper. I think you like Cooper a little bit more than Jones. Is that fair to say? Sounds about right to me. Yeah, I, I think so as well, even though I think, you know, Jones and Cooper uh, both have, though they're different from each other, like pretty clearly defined roles in terms of what they could do for a team. And Harris is a little bit more up in the air. As I had mentioned, I think Dangerfield has the highest upside of as an offensive player, Yulin Aleman in that way. Anything else you kind of wanted to cover on just in terms of, you know, where we are with these players? Not really. I mean, I, it was an amazing season for Crystal Dangerfield. I am just curious uh, how she's going to rank you know, in the league heading forward, you know, I mean, obviously we're going to say Vandersloot, Gray, Diggins, Smith, Bird are like the top four point guards in the league right now. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty safe to say, but like, what is her, like, what's the next step for her? She's already exceeded expectations of pretty much everybody. Can she take that next step? And honestly, I I guess, honestly, I guess that's, that's, you could say it for all the players, but I mean, her as a rookie, I mean, she's so far ahead of the game, you know? Yeah, and I think she definitely, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, but I think she's in that next tier of players, like, in terms of point guards. Okay. You know, there's, there's not going to be too many other players that are definitely better than her uh, as a point guard. I mean, maybe her defensive limitations can, can kind of sway you uh, the other way, but, you know, she, she was a pretty high-usage player. She was pretty efficient. Uh, she was a really good playmaker. She led a top-four team in scoring, you know, was a, a pretty good passer. Probably yeah. turns the ball over a little bit more than, than you'd like, but can really play on or off the ball. Like, she's really good. Yeah, proof is in the pudding. All right. Um, anything else you would want to say? No, I think uh, – I think. Uh, let us know if you liked the show because I thought it was fun. Yeah, no, this is, this is a good time. Um, we were kind of discussing uh, off, off air uh, if you wanted if, – if we were going to do this for um, rookie, rookie bigs. I wasn't so sure. Uh, I don't think that I don't think it's going to be as interesting of a of a discussion. But if you, the listener, uh, want us to do that, feel free to let us know on Twitter at Double Down WNBA or at our personal accounts at Nemchucky or at Trinkwald. If you want to give us a subscribe or a rate or a review or whatever, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. So uh, we love any and all feedback, and we'll get back to you. Someone will get back to you as soon as possible. So. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time.